adventurers, this is Trey and Ashley Hall, and you're listening to the Train for Adventure podcast, the show that shares adventure stories and fitness tips for people who want to explore more of the beautiful world they live in. This week, we'll be continuing on the fun of our last episode by heading back into the Grand Canyon to Plateau Point. Getting to this even closer view of the Colorado River requires just over six miles and 3,200 feet of hiking down the Bright Angel Trail. Round trip, one can expect that to take seven to nine hours to return to the South Rim. The Park Service doesn't condone hiking beyond that point in one day and also recommends checking with rangers prior to departure from the trailhead. Those prepared for the journey are rewarded with amazing views of Indian Garden, the Colorado River, Canyon Walls, and Petroglyphs. Trey and I are excited to not only share how to prepare for this hike, but how varying training intensity is important in getting ready for your adventure. Hi, babe. Hey there. How you doing? I'm doing so good. How are you <laughs> Great. doing? Great. Um, I'm really excited to, again, head into the Grand Canyon with this episode, just like the last one. It's, oh, yeah. As we mentioned last time, one of our favorite places on this planet. So um, can you kind of tell people how we got there and when we started um, this hike? Yeah, so we started early. Very early. I think we woke up that morning at like 2.30 or 3 a.m., and then got ready pretty quickly, had our breakfast, and got out of the campground by like, ooh, I don't know, what was it, 3.30, 3.45? It was something like that. Maybe it was I think it was even, 3.30. Well, because there's a time change between Tuba City and the Grand Canyon, yeah. too. So we had to account for that as well. We, we left the parking lot at 5 a.m., so uh, I <laughs> quick time back. I think math. it was 3.30. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because it was it's an hour, hour and a half drive from Tuba City to the Grand Canyon. Ooh, maybe we left earlier. I anyway, I don't re- <laughs> recall. I just remember it was super early. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had a very early start, but we were able to park, get on trail, everything while it was still dark. And that was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. We had to... Uh, do the first little bit by the light of our headlamps. And when we first got there, we were a little bit concerned that maybe we had made a mistake in trying to hike that morning because we got there and you could hear the wind howling in the canyon. Oh my gosh, it was Do intense. Do you remember that? Yes. Like it was blowing hard. I'm and like, you can't are we going to get blown over the edge that yeah. I can't see right now? <laughs> exactly. You, you, you can't see into it. So you don't know if like you've got the room or the footing, whatever, um, that you weren't just going to get blown off the, the trail there. And so that was a little disconcerting. But as soon as we actually got like on the trail, um, it was fine. You didn't actually feel any wind. It was just the wind like blowing up out of the canyon. And yes. so it was actually like blowing vertically rather than blow, blowing across you, which is very interesting. Um, well, that trail, the Bright Angel Trail, is on a fault line. Yeah. And so I think just by nature... Well, it kind of just, it comes into that, that point, right? You start, mm-hmm. you start at the very back end of this, this kind of canyon that goes into the Grand Canyon. Right. And so I think it just kind of like gets funneled into that point and yes. then comes up out of it. So, um, that was something that was like a little concerning when we first got there, but we quickly became, you know, quickly got over that. Yes, definitely. So I wanted to backtrack just a moment to tell you how you could, how you get to this trail. So as I think Trey mentioned, we 
parked in a parking lot and then walked there to the trailhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we parked in parking lot D, which is at the backcountry um, center. And it was maybe seven minutes to get to the trailhead. It was not far at all. No, there's tons of parking in that lot. But then you also have the surrounding lodges mm-hmm. that there's parking at. And there's even parking off the trailhead. It's kind of hidden back in a corner. Um, but if you reference our guide to this trail uh, that I'll have in the link um, of our description here, then you'll be able to find those parking spots. And it's really, it's not bad. It's not a bad hike to that no. to the trailhead. That being said, those parking lots can fill up rather quickly. So we do recommend that if you plan on parking at the trailhead that you get started early. Yes. And a lot of times people are like, oh, 10 a.m. It's like, no, no. that's, that's when... <laughs> That's when the park is getting full. Yes, exactly. Uh, it is. It means that you're getting started before eight. Yeah, and then if you end up not, a, a, you're not able to get a spot close to the trailhead. You can park further away in other lots, and the blue route uh, bus will take you yeah. close to the uh, trailhead, which would be Hermit's Rest. That route transfer is the closest, and then Bright Angel Lot is the next closest drop off on the blue route. Yeah. And those shuttles are free and they're yeah. fantastic. Like there's there's no reason not to use them if they're available. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Continuing into the canyon, um, Trey, can you talk about like the next portion of our journey there? Compared to uh, the other trail that we did, and its name just slipped my mind, uh, the South Kaibab Trail. Yes. Compared to that one, going into the canyon felt a lot easier. And I, I oh, said that. Yeah. I was like, this trail doesn't seem nearly as bad. Uh, it is not as steep. It is not as rutted out in the mm-hmm. center as um, South Kaibab Trail Which is. Which surprises me because there are more mules, mule trains technically mm-hmm. on this trail. Yep. And it's supposed to be be the more popular trail for foot traffic as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was just surprising that this one was not as, didn't seem to be as worn as the South Kaibab Trail. Now, something that does seem to be different about this one is that from my recollection is that it seems to be quite a bit wider. And so uh, maybe that has something to do. It's actually supposed to be similar. It's supposed to be four feet as the South Kaibab Trail, at least from what I read. Maybe it is wider in more portions of it and that may have kind of skewed mm-hmm. what, you know, what we thought. And also your, your relation to the edge and things like that can also kind of change how that trail might look to you. But I think it's supposed to be four feet. Yeah. So, uh, regardless, whatever it was, it, it did seem to be uh, not quite as, as rough going as the South Kaibab Trail. Yeah. Now, that being said, uh, coming back out of it was still very, very, oh, very difficult. Most definitely. <laughs> but another thing about this one, too, that's nice is that it has more rest houses along the way. So, while, like, that's another thing that just adds to it being a little bit easier than the South Kaibab because... You didn't have any water stations on the South Kaibab Trail, right? Mm. But the Bright Angel Trail, there was a one and a half mile rest house, which unfortunately was closed <laughs> whenever we went um, for some renovations or something of that sort. I think, I think it's they now, just had, since reopened. And they had water shut off at that time of year, too. Yeah. And then the three mile rest house um, had similar features. Mm-hmm. So it had the covered picnic area. Uh, for shade, if 
it was super sunny. And then there were the restrooms. I don't know that there was a phone at that one. I don't, I don't recall seeing one there, but there definitely one was one at the one and a half mile rest house. Um, and then, so getting to those points, you're just doing switchbacks. There's supposed to be from what I read, a hundred of them. I did not count them as we went. <laughs> I can believe that. I mean, <laughs> oh, you just definitely. constantly, just every couple hundred feet, you're turning around and going back the way you just came. Yeah, which is more than likely a part of what led to it being a little bit easier, too, is that you're not... I don't know that the percentage grade is nearly as it's, high yeah, as that. It's of not as steep. Yeah. Um, so you do those switchbacks, and then all of a sudden you're at the bottom. Like, well, not the bottom, bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you have quite a bit further before you get there. But it levels out. Yes, it does level out. The trail starts to get sandy. And then you start to have all this green lush um, around you and these towering cottonwoods. And you're in Indian Garden. That was um, so surprising. I did oh, not know so to expect cool. that. No, I didn't either. Uh, I mean, I realized, like, looking at maps and whatever and hearing about the trail that, you know, it's Indian Garden. There's, it's going to be a little greener down there. But I wasn't expecting, like, a little oasis. Yeah. It was awesome. It's you can camp gorgeous. down there. It's beautiful. There's a ranger station there, too, mm -hmm. for those that are maybe doing longer backpacking trips. Um, there's bathrooms, there's yep. water, there's, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a great rest point. Yes. So then continuing on from there, you don't have much further until you reach plateau point, but you do have a fork. I think it's a mile and a half maybe to plateau point. Something like that. From and it's, Indian Garden. it's not a hard hike. No. Like I think there's like 60 feet of elevation change over that mile and a half. Yeah. It is pretty much flat. Right. So you take the, the fork the left fork technically the other one goes down to the colorado river mm -hmm. but the plateau point is an overview of the colorado river so and i said it's flat it is more exposed than any other portion of the trail so the sun could definitely sun and heat could get to you more on that portion of yeah, the trail you're totally exposed all day long yes. as soon as the sun comes up and until the sun goes down you are you're out in the middle of nowhere yeah and there's no trees, there's no shade, there's no outcroppings, nothing. Yeah. Just, just prickly pear and uh, <laughs> scrub brush. Which is so it. gorgeous. And then the views totally change when you get down onto that plateau. Mm -hmm. Is just the canyon walls surround you entirely. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you Every just feel direction. like you're down in this bowl, you yeah. know? Um, so it takes a bit, but you get to the end of that trail, and then you're just you kind of edge along this cliff side essentially for just a second. And all of a sudden you see the Colorado river below and like yeah. so much bigger than that of the skeleton point view. Yeah. You're so much closer to it and it's just incredible. Yeah. You're like 2000 feet above it. Yeah. And you, <laughs> so oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're above it. That's the thing is that you're no longer looking down and out. You're right. now just looking down. Yes. Which is also kind of like, Woo! You know, that, that just gave you a little burst of adrenaline just watching. Yeah. And I made a comment. I made a comment to the only other person that we saw hiking out there um, that he kind of stopped and, you know, recognized us from earlier on the trail. I was like, oh, I thought you could go down to the river from there. He's like, you can, but you die. <laughs> it's a straight drop. And I was right. like, oh, okay. My, my mistake. <laughs> um, We did get to watch some 
rafters and kayakers on the Colorado, mm-hmm. which was really neat to see them go through some of the rapids through there, which I'm sure Cons- were way more intense from what our viewpoint was. Yeah, from but- up above, you know, it doesn't look all that impressive. You can see the white water and everything, but it doesn't look all that hard. But I'm sure the experience is much, much different actually being on it. Yeah. So we spent a great amount of time there, had lunch, just took in all of the views and as soon as more people started showing up, we decided that was a good time for us to head out. And then also we would beat a decent amount of the heat coming out of the canyon because I don't really quite remember how many hours it took us. I want to say six to seven, but you know, we started super early. So we really finished just around mid afternoon, I guess, early afternoon. We, we, really. we stopped. I think we got off trail right at noon. Yeah. So, so that it took was us perfect. like right at seven hours to do And everything. then... We hit the truck real fast, went home, and grabbed Domino's Pizza. Yep. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Ate a whole pizza and the then continued thing. to eat. Yes. We were so hungry and exhausted. It yeah. was a fan, but a absolutely amazing time. It was, I loved it was that. great. So, anything else in relation to like getting ready for this one? Any particular characteristics of that trail that you think are notable? We should... I don't think there's anything necessarily challenging about the trail itself, other than the fact that you, a lot of people forget you're at elevation in the Mm, Grand Canyon, that you're starting over 7,000 feet. I think you start at like 7,400 on this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And that you're hiking down and then coming back up. And so it's the opposite of climbing a mountain Mm -hmm. where you climb up, you get tired and you come back down and, you know, halfway through you're, you, the trail is getting easier because you're descending, right? right? Um, whereas this is the opposite. Half At the halfway point, you turn around, and that's when it gets hard. Yes. You're uh, already somewhat... Tired. You're already having yes. been exerting yourself for hours, and now you have to get out. Yeah. Um, so I think... I, I think that's the thing that is the the especially challenging part about hiking in the Grand Canyon or any canyon really like Black Canyon of the Gunnison mm-hmm. when we did that one is that it's just opposite of what climbing a mountain would be. Yeah. Um, as far as like technicality or anything like that, it's not technical. Uh, you, there's no really big steps. You know, there are going mm-hmm. to be some awkward step placements and you're going to be... Uh, having to wait on people to pass or whatever right. at different points, but nothing that's necessarily technical or hard about the trail itself. Right. I think what's important is just making sure that you train up well for it. And we're going to talk more about that and then ensuring that you're getting plenty of sustenance on the journey that you're eating. Even if that's in the form of gels, you can't take, you know, typical harder foods, mm-hmm. uh, and that you're hydrating often that, yeah. you know, at least every hour you're eating something, you're getting some type of calories in, and then that you're hydrating the entire time. You're not waiting until you are thirsty. Yeah. If you're thirsty, hydrate. it's already too late. <laughs> yes. Especially exactly. as you continue to exert yourself. You're not going to make up for that. <laughs> um, so that's, what's important, but Trey, how does one train for this properly because I know you really want to talk about how intensity relates to training for something like this. Yeah. So the thing is that something like this, you're going to be working at 
varying intensities throughout it. Um, that in training, and this was kind of our, our past as CrossFit coaches, a lot of times people think that a workout has to be difficult to be effective. Right. They have to be working very hard in order for a workout to be effective. I'm not on the floor. Right. Breathing like hard, hard breaths. If, if, <laughs> yeah. If you're not second guessing every decision that had led right. you to that point, it wasn't then, hard you, enough. then you didn't do it right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing is that there's a lot to be said for um, sub maximal efforts and training. Yeah. And yet very few people uh, do that consistently in their training. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in order for you to have the the endurance and to feel good over a long period of time, you've got to do workouts that go on for a long period of time that aren't high intensity where you're not having to stop and rest and catch your breath or allow your muscles to recover, mm-hmm. but where you're just constantly moving for at least an hour. Yeah. Um, that that is how you build up the endurance and the conditioning, the mental fortitude, even if you want to call it that, but that's how you build your body up, your, your heart, your lungs up. Mm-hmm. In order to do these long exertions, yeah, that it's not always about going out hard and going out fast. It's not to that, say that that's not important that, as well. And that's that's the thing is that you can't just do that either, right? Right. That just doing things that are relatively easy is not going to help you either. That you have to challenge yourself, and so it's having this variety in how hard you're going, how heavy you're going. Mm-hmm. That's going to allow you to do the things that you want to do. If, you know, if it, if it's, it has anything to do outside, right? Like, like, that's the thing is like real life and adventures or, you know, keeping up with your kids or whatever, um, doing these hikes and biking and different things that we enjoy doing require you to have a decent level of fitness across a broad range of time domains right. and, and lifting and all this other stuff. Um, and that we can't just train on one side of the spectrum there mm-hmm. and expect to do very well, right? Mm-hmm. We can't just think that if we just get really, really, really strong, everything else is going to be easy because we're so strong, it's going to feel easy by comparison. Right. You also can't just train endurance and just be like, I'm just going to be able to run for, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles at a time, and that's going to allow me to do all the things I want to do. It's like real fitness lies somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that you can do either one of those things, that you can't be a power lifter and enjoy doing a lot of these things to a, to a high degree, or that mm-hmm. you can't be uh, an ultra runner and enjoy doing these things to a high degree. It's just going to be that you're going to have some real issues with their heads. Points. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that... For people who train really, really heavy, really, really hard, really high intensities, but not for a long time, Mm. they're going to have a hard time getting back up out of that canyon, even though their legs feel good. Their legs are going to be fine. It's their lungs that's going to catch up. Yeah. Their heart rate is going to be at maximal levels for hours at a time. Mm. And that is 
so difficult on your body, mm-hmm. so hard on your body. Whereas your ultra runners might not have an issue uh, coming down into the canyon, getting out of the canyon, anything like that. But on other things where it's going to require some strength yeah. um, or some single leg mobility, the you know right. things like that, having to climb anything um, where you're having to use a little bit of uh, actual like power mm-hmm. in order to, to do these things, they're going to struggle. Right. Um, and so that's the reason why there's such a, a need to have uh, variety in your training. Yeah. That there's a, there's, a, there's a place for everything. So, I mean, that might be fairly obvious, but, um, even, even for people who, you know, are just doing things more casually, uh, finding that, that balance between strength, between endurance, between high intensity and low intensity, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to, uh, enjoy a higher level of fitness that's not going to just be in the ground. Yeah. Right? That by varying things, you're going to be able to recover more effectively. Yeah. You're going to be able to uh, run longer and harder without just beating your body up. You're going to be able to, you know, wear a heavy pack mm-hmm. without it just completely destroying you. That's something that you've created for the new Train for Adventure programming Mm -hmm. is its own actual course on stress response and how training plays into that and that you can't continually just beat your body in the ground and expect it to recover um, because it's just not going to. You need to have those ebbs and flows so that it can and it gets stronger by that. People right. act like it's them against their body, mm-hmm. right? That you're fighting against your body and whoever has got the stronger will is going to come out on top and you're going to be able to, you know, be super fit if only you can get your body to submit to your will. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not a good way to look at it. It's like mm-hmm. you need to be working in tandem with your limitations mm-hmm. while still challenging them. Right. Right. And so it's understanding that your body only has a limited capacity for stress Mm -hmm. and the training and all the good things that you want to do still add stress to your body. Right. Um, It doesn't differentiate between good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's just stress. And so uh, being able to be more intelligent and uh, trying to control for those variances is going to allow you to continue to progress without suffering any sort of decline. Right. That, um, that if you get overly stressed, whether that's mental or physical, both, that they add to each other, that you're going to start suffering negative consequences once you reach your capacity. Mm-hmm. And that can be a physical decline. That you're going to be more likely to have uh, sickness or injury, that mm-hmm. suddenly your back starts hurting, your knees start hurting, your shoulders, whatever. It can be a physical response to stress. Um, more likely to get ill, more likely to suffer cardiovascular events, um, as well as having mental breakdowns or, you know, just suffering things like anxiety, panic mm-hmm. attacks, um, just an overall sense of dread. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of these things are symptoms of having too much stress. Yeah. Um, which again, just kind of goes back to if, if you can keep a certain degree of variance of variety within your training but not making it 
so varied that you never know what to expect. Mm -hmm. That you can never adapt to it. Um, that you're constantly stressing out about how how do I do this or how am I supposed to see any progress if yeah. things change every single week. Um, that is that is where you know the a lot of people get tripped up, but that's how you see progress is um, making these small changes, these small tweaks that allow you to to progress without it being too much or too little. Awesome. And that's something, like I said, that people have to look forward to if they decide to do our training, because we will dive deep into that and what we program for your sessions every week already has that in mind, right? To elicit that response. Yeah. Multiple options, depending on how you're feeling that day, what equipment Mm -hmm. you have available to you, uh, your current ability level. If you can't do a pull-up and it just says do five pull-ups... And you're not just going to be left on your own right. <laughs> to figure that out, you know, that it's not going to be one of those programs where it's like, oh, well, YouTube it, you know, figure out, figure out how to do this. We'll give you options based on whether you have rings or a bar or yeah. a pull-up bar available. Or just dumbbells, like, or, just or dumbbells. bands. Or, or if you have yes. no equipment. <laughs> exactly. There's always options for body weight only. Yeah. Well, Trey, thank you so much for diving into that. Do you have any more um, thoughts on training intensity? Well, I have plenty of thoughts I know on you do. Uh, but I really, <laughs> I really just wanted to try to give a very, I, I didn't want to go into too much detail on this stuff today. It's uh, important. More of a high That's level, what, yes. yeah, more of a high level overview of, uh, it's importance. Awesome. Cool. Well, Listeners, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to know more about the trail, visit our website at www.trainforadventure.com. We've written a hiking to Plateau Point blog for you that includes the trail's location, access, maps, as well as how to warm up, train, and recover for the hike. And until next time, we'll see you out there on those adventures.